Hello legends, welcome to this episode of Surface Level, the podcast. Today I'm going to be having a chat with someone called Tash who goes by she, her pronouns. Tash used to live in Adelaide but now lives in Toronto, Canada with her wife Stephanie. It is currently a blizzard outside for Tash and you will hear people shoveling snow and the cold weather difference to what we're going to have here in Melbourne, Australia, which is 38 degrees today. So um, I'm excited for you to be able to get snippets of that. Uh, You might know Tash from her queer advocacy and mental health work online, Or you may know her from featuring on Married at First Sight a couple of years ago, which would have been 2019, I'm fairly sure. So I hope you enjoy our conversation today. We're going to be chatting about mental health, body image, sexuality, gender, all of the good things. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. We're coming back to the first interview that I've done on this podcast in around eight months and what I'm really excited to do today is have a chat with someone who is living a lot of the lessons that we talk about on the podcast and has had experience with a lot of the things that I know that um, can be really confusing in life and really challenging in life and really fun as well. So Thank you, Tash, for being here. I'm really, I'm really excited to have a chat with you. It's been really like an exciting morning for me to know that I'm coming on here. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. We're going to do, um, so just so everyone knows, we're going to be chatting mental health, body image, um, so many different queer things, because I know that both of us like froth talking about that. That's probably what we could talk about Mm -hmm. until the cows come home. Um, But what I what I often ask my podcast interviewees is something that's bringing them great joy at the moment, just so we can get a bit of a snapshot into your life because everyone's always in such a different space. So what's something that's bringing you great joy? I think the thing that brings me great joy right now is just being grateful to get to wake up with the person that I'm in love with. Oh, stop yeah. it. I know. It's That's so really nerdy. That's a beautiful but answer. Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning because it's so incredibly hard to move in your 30s to a completely different country and just like really separate yourself from all your comfort, all your familiarity and like your family, your friends, your job, like all of it. And mm. so because I do future self-journaling every morning, which is by the holistic psychologist, holistic psychologist. Um, it's such a beautiful technique. I know, it's so great. So you have to have that one thing that you're grateful for. And, and I was thinking about it this morning and Stephanie was so cute this morning. They were like, just like hugging me so tight and I was so cozy and I was like, no, oh, that was a nice morning. It's so, it's so it mushy, is. but it's true. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Really true. Yes, and you really like... Because I imagine you've had times where you're fully just doing your own thing, like, and you get that blank canvas of, okay, this is what it's like on my own. So when you get that sense of love and like comfort, you, you really notice it. Yeah. 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 
That's a beautiful yeah. answer. Um, can I, so when you say moving in your thirties um, and I know I've done a bit of an intro to this, but can we dive a little bit more into, so you've, you've obviously moved over to Canada. Um, my geography is terrible. Toronto's in Canada, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. It is. It is. Don't worry. I don't know where anything is. It's right? a source of constant frustration to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times where it's even Australian places, it's crazy. Um, but when you say moving in your 30s, mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I think that's really interesting as like within our therapy space, we've been learning a lot about what we're willing to do in our adolescence and the things we're willing to try and things that are Mm -hmm. easier in our adolescence when we're like basically going through such a huge pruning of our entire brain can you tell me why it felt harder in your 30s I don't think I think that it's only sinking in now that that it's a little harder at this age um I think that I never contemplated like when I was like, oh, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? I didn't really have those thoughts of like, am I not going to do this? I was like very, very certain and sure. And another big difference between Stephanie and I is that I don't really think about what could go wrong ever. I'm always just like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be excellent. Stephanie's like, if you do that, this, this, and this could potentially happen. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, it won't. No, it won't. But um, so I kind of moved over here and then I have oh, someone's shoveling snow. That's my sign to go out and shovel, shovel snow. <laughs> shovel the snow. That's um, so Toronto. It's oh my god, be 38 it's, here today, babes. It's it's yeah, we're in a blizzard. It's a snowstorm. <laughs> um so I think that yeah, when I got over here, because I was I came over here and I spent 10 months here the first time I came here to meet Stephanie and then moving here properly moving here this time um it's like I think people who are 33 34 have generally already established a lot of parts of their lives Mm -hmm. they've established friend group community uh like their hobbies are feel familiar to them they have family around it's just Mm -hmm. it's really I think it's tough to make friends at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I feel deeply that I don't want to impose on anyone or demand anyone's time when I know that it's hard enough to be juggling your time between your foundations that you've already got in place, let alone like this new person from a different country. So I'm just like kind of keenly aware of the fact that most people that I meet have these things that I really don't have established. And so I feel like, well, where would I even fit in with their life? If that makes sense. It makes So the way to combat that is that I found a yoga studio that I really love. Um, My wife's twin took me there. I fell in love. I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't practiced yoga in so long. And I went and there's this yoga over here called Modo, which is like Bikram, but better. It was without, you know, a um like sexual assault guru, like at the forefront. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is um, positive. 
Yes, which is so good. And it was just this beautiful, warm, welcoming space. And I saw that um, they had an energy exchange program. And then one of their teachers is born on the same day as me. So we really bonded. And then they were like, do the energy exchange, which is where you like work three hours a week for them. And then you get unlimited yoga. They were like, we want you to be part of the community. Like we'll give you the energy exchange position. And so that was like such a massive deal for me. And maybe someone else who lives here would just be like, yeah, cool, free yoga. I go and do three hours. But I was like, it's my one thing I do that's not connected to my wife. Yeah. Like it's just for me. And as someone that was so independent that had lots of things going on to then come over here and be really stripped of it, it was kind of almost like you could – compare a little bit to the pandemic when we got stripped of everything Mm -hmm. it was like you know that wasn't enough for me apparently and I was like I'm gonna do that again yeah and and then like I feel like sometimes when I'm going through things that are really hard I like to add in I'm like a glutton for punishment I'm like what else can I do so I like got rid of my lash extensions, took out my hair extensions, like, and I was just Fully stripped it back. I really did. I was like, it's, it's, it was weird. I got over here and it's like, I went, it's time to investigate everything about myself. Oh, I love it. And do you know what? You don't go there um, sustainably. You don't go there if you don't have your own back, if you're not backed by other people and if you don't feel safe to. So it's a pretty amazing thing that you've done that and thought I've got the foundation. I'm strong enough to really strip it back. Yeah. I think that's like kind of reoccurring in my life. I feel like every four years I'm like, what can I do? That's absolutely terrifying. Like obviously I felt that before going on reality TV, Mm. like that was left of center for me to do because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really um, the right person to have like done that or the normal suspect, you know, but I think that I definitely like to do things that remind me that I'm capable of doing yeah. Weird. Yes. And I think yeah. that's really important. And I see it a lot in my work where it's the anticipation and the not knowing of what's going to happen. That is often the hardest part because mm. we nearly always get through what we're like some heartbreak, some, some work stresses, they can nearly kill us. Like it can feel like it's like tearing your heart apart, but we do get through it. Like the, mm. the toughest things. Um, when you talk about, cause that's what I heard when you were speaking, like stripped back, what else did, did moving do for you? Because I can imagine that, that like the pandemic or like things like pregnancy and marriage and, um, changes in where you live, it, it strips back like unwanted energy and people and objects and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. You get so clear about how you were living your life and. I I think as well, Adelaide, I love Adelaide so much, but it's a very different energy in Toronto because everyone's trying to make it. Everyone's trying to like, I don't know. I, I feel that there's a big focus on career. Like the first question everyone asks you is, what do you do? Which I kind of hate. I like, oh my I kind God, of, what is that? It, 
it's it's kind of the worst especially because I'm like I don't know what do (laughs) I do like I do so many random things like so it's not my favorite question but I think that I think that I always had the sense in Adelaide that if I stayed there it's so nice I love my friends I worked in a really cool, fun, like seaside restaurant. I love serving people food genuinely deep in my heart. I'm like, you're excited you're getting your food. I'm excited to be bringing the food. This is a lovely exchange. Like I really enjoy that. So I I was like happy there. I I liked everyone I worked with. It was so nice and easy and comfortable. And, you know, the minimum wage is through the roof over there. So it's like- Yeah, I think that coming over here, I was like, oh, I was sort of stuck in a loop. I was like, work, 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 do all my beauty things, and then drink and eat on the weekends. And I actually stopped drinking last, um, at the start of November last year. So... I did. I did. I was like, that is really huge in the world that we live in. Yes. I kind of, it was really funny because I listened to this, my my favorite astrologer on um, Instagram, he put up a thing about Cancerians kind of just after I'd stopped. And he was like, oh, you've really just decided to stop something. Like you have just been like, absolutely. I'm done. And it's really how I felt about it. It was just, I just kind of went, I don't think anything good is coming from this I think that my health suffers I think that it's the main source of whenever I have anxiety and I just kind of went oh I don't want to do that anymore so yeah I think I'm like I'm just past three months sober so that's fun oh my Uh, that was that is fun and can you feel it in your body like because oh my god anxiety is so real but then also the impact of the week after and then the long-term impacts like how how have you felt in your body afterwards I feel really good I've got like I have like um like gallstones and all like these kind of like stomach digestive issues that really the worst thing I could do for any of it is drink yeah so it was kind of like yeah, I was like, what are you, you're making silly choices by doing this. And every time I drank wine, I felt sick. Like it was just when you really start to like really get into it. And I actually spoke about this with Taylor. We had a big chat about it. Yeah, It's like, I didn't want to have to drink to socialize. And yeah. I wanted to feel confident just being sober in social situations. And now I feel more confident sober in social situations than I used to feel drunk which is wild wow okay Um, tell can you tell me a little bit more about that do you know why that might be I think that because when I drank I didn't know whether I was going to become introverted or whether it was going to make me confident and sexy and feel myself I think it's also very heavily impacted by where you are at in your cycle and I've been studying a lot of that since I got over here and learning that sometimes I just shouldn't socialize. So I, um, I also did a lot of research where I went to all the people in my life who are sober and also like, these are close people in my life and asked them, said, what are, what are the pros and cons and talked a lot 
to them about it. And so I was trying to like expand a lot of knowledge and prepare myself. And my best friend had just been pregnant. So she'd done nine months and I could ask her like really any of the sort of embarrassing questions. And it was just, yeah, I just, my, my partner has been sober um, before in their life for five years. Wow. So they were a great source of knowledge as well. And yeah, I just feel how to, um, from that five year period, did they really learn about where it could fit into their life in a way that's more like in a, in a positive way, in a moderated way and that sort of thing? Like can being sober teach you that? I think that, um, yeah, I definitely think so. And I think it's recognizing why you want to have the drink mm. and if, and then you can really study that the answer to that question because more often than not why I want to have the drink is because I want to feel less awkward socially Mm. or why why do I want to have the drink because I like the idea of it there's something Mm. sexy about going and having a wine with my partner right and I miss that because Mm. I still have to break down that conditioning around like we have had successful dates since where I'll have like a non-alcoholic beer and I walk away from it going, there wasn't anything different about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is still something ingrained in me because alcohol is so glamorized and wine is so glamorized and I'm from hospitality. Like, you know, I want to genuinely are interested in it too. I want to drink it. I want to try it. Yeah. So And you've touched on really big conditioning things here, like what you said before around um, where we're so conditioned to ask what you do. Um, And another one is so conditioned to feel like, like extroversion is like a currency now. Like I think we've come a long way in terms of valuing um, being introverted, but and I'm not even sure if extroversion is a word, but I'm making it a word. I think that <laughs> it is today. Yeah, there's so many, like, there's still a lot of importance placed on how outgoing you can be in a social situation um, and everything of the sort. When when you were talking about, because um, I, I picture this as a stripping back, when you were talking about people asking what you do and and not necessarily knowing how to answer. I feel like so many people are in that boat. And I what I was thinking the other day is if someone asked me how I felt in my body, how I sleep at night, how like um, equal my energy exchanges are, those they're great, right? You know, yeah. and I would be like so there and they're just, they actually mean something. But mm-hmm. isn't it interesting that we, like I just won't ask anymore because then I'm also like, I mean, whether they are proud of it or not, we are in a society that is pushing people to be productive and to feed our, um, like, capitalist chain. If I'm asking that and that is still a point of shame for them, what an awful way to start up a conversation. (laughs) I agree. I wish more people thought like that. I wish more people thought like that in terms of that question and then also any question or um, comment on bodies, you know. It would be nice if people could just take a second and think how is this potentially going to affect. But 
I love those questions that you would prefer. And I always have to fight the urge because my initial reaction, the first thing I want to ask anyone I meet is what makes you really happy? That's that's what I want to oh, know. I love right? that. But some people can get, um, can feel like that's very intimate, you know, and it's vulnerable. Yes. So I, I don't, I, I really use it sparingly, but it's my favorite question. 100%. Yeah, I love that moment where you're like, oh, I reckon I'm 15 minutes in. I reckon I've got, like, we're at a place now we can talk about uh, that sort of stuff. Like yeah. life and what actually means something versus yeah what well how great is it when you meet those people where you don't even have those 15 minutes and you're like let's just do it they're my favorite yes they're absolutely the best Mm -hmm. have you had those sort of connections uh over in Toronto and when you were speaking about the yoga studio before have you ever had those moments or you've seen it within someone else where it might be like you said a small thing for anyone living over there but for you it's like a it's like a, not a lifeline, that's extreme, but like a, it's important. It's this yeah. small thing that's so important. Have you been able to have those sort of um, conversations and connections in a brand new place? Yeah. The, the, the studio is so amazing because they are so, the, the women there are so compassionate and they are so keenly aware of how I feel that they really go above and beyond to try and integrate me and make me feel, Mm -hmm. especially um, the teacher that was born on the same day as me, we were very instantly able to talk very openly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really important to have made that connection for me. I think also um, it was nice to make a connection, not through drinking, not through socializing. It's such a wholesome thing, yoga. And yes. So that was good. I did, when I first came over here, I um, made a friend through, we started talking on TikTok. She was like, I'm a femme, like queer in Toronto. If you want, need like another queer femme friend. And we got along really instantly, very well. But yeah. she's moved to Vancouver now. So. And then my my sister-in-law, so my what my wife's a twin, and then her twin sister married a girl, Cece, from the US. So they both imported blondes. Right? How cool is that? Like Pretty what funny. are the chances, they, honestly? What are the chances? They're truly so parallel. They're really funny. Um, and then we found out when we got back that they're both actually moving to LA. So it's really a lot of like, um, I feel like things really haven't stabilized yet and it's a challenge. And no matter how, um, no matter how old you get, no matter how many lessons you've learned or how many like beautiful positive constructive things you can like say on a podcast there is always that human level of like feeling isolated lonely like when you've just got a good thing and then it leaves all of those sort of things are so normal like it's such a it's such a mixed bag life is so wild can I ask when it comes to your um 30s what has Mm. it shown you in terms of because what I imagine is that you like when you're at home, you're knowing yourself pretty well. And when you're going out to a social environment, it's not as if you're, you don't give it away. You're still yourself within a social environment. What has your thirties taught you 
um, in terms of like backing yourself and like valuing your own opinions and beliefs versus when you're in your early 20s, you really are just trying to figure out who you are. Yes, I think truly that the lessons for me came not from being in my 30s, but came from being with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I was, I probably hadn't been in a, a relationship where things were so serious and mm-hmm. someone was so serious about me truly knowing who I was and being so serious about me. And because Stephanie is six years older, they were very much like just a good influence on me in terms of priorities, values, um, like respect for myself. So not to say that I didn't have those things, but I think that I think that there's something to be said for figuring out who you genuinely are and not who you'd kind of like to be. Mm. I think that there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. Mm. And I see it in myself and even in like friends my own age. I see people sort of start to move away from who they think that they should be dictated by society social media especially if you go on tiktok for an hour you i i always feel told who i should be on tiktok like really i never downloaded it i just never (laughs) got it it and i never oh it's i think there's like and then there's probably i'm missing a lot of like the positives about it but i think that um i get so overstimulated by the rest of the like channels that by the time it came to that and TikTok is moving fast isn't it like the views opinions everything that comes in it's like moving quick which is great in terms of like advocacy and spreading the word that needs to be spread but some of the other things it's like oh my god my nervous system wasn't ready I completely understand that I Mm. really really love it Mm. but I notice that my sleep suffers so much if I go on TikTok even even for like half an hour, I I can sometimes because the the audios loop, and so I'll get an audio looping in my head, and then I just don't like it's 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 truly I think rotting our brains. Like <laughs> it's so fun, yeah. and I love it. And there's so much joy in it because I have this like one friend from home, and she just has the exact same sense of humor as me, and so. When I wake up and I see 30 TikToks from Jordan, I'm like, yes, this is going to be a good half hour. She's like compiled the good stuff for me. But sometimes you can just like, oh, the loops you can get into and just, yeah. So once again, back to good things that my wife has taught me. I love that they're not, they're not focused on social media at all, like very anti-social media. And I think, I think that. I definitely am more settled into saying no to things that Mm. I don't want to do, especially social things. Mm. But I also think that I've noticed since being over here that sometimes I can get anxiety about leaving the house. Mm. It definitely is something I've never experienced before in my life, but moving over here, I do get it. And then when I get outside, even if it's just for a walk, I feel instantly 
instantly better. I feel like I'm on like seven different tangents right now, by the way. Every, I just like, I follow, that's how my brain works, Aquarian energy. That's how my brain works. I followed every tangent and you just reminded me of, when did I feel that? I don't think it was during the pandemic. I think I feel like that in winter and you've Mm -hmm. had a long, long winter. I swear the brain starts to, it's just like it overseeks comfort. And you just, you need anything to make you feel like safe and confident. And our homes are usually such a safe space. Um, Mm. I completely understand that. And yeah, every, every other thing that you said, that's what (laughs) as well. So I was like, I agree with that. And then yes, we're over here. I also agree with that. Um, (laughs) Can you, so I wanted to say that I am, and I'm, when I meet people and I've recently just met a new friend who is just so grounded, like genuinely mature, which is not a trait that you come across a lot when you're going through your 20s. I'm 28. Um, so it's not necessarily, it's, they might be really fun or really like self-aware, but that maturity is a really new experience for me. Um, and it's infectious. You don't, I could feel myself there was less like, um, it feels like you don't have to meet them at the table so much. You just are there. You are who you are and they're accepting of it. And the conversations that you have are so much more like, like grounded. And so I get what you were saying with Stephanie's impact on you before it's infectious, their self-acceptance and their intolerance for what I'm perceiving as their intolerance for like shit that doesn't matter. It's infectious. Yes. Yes. Stephanie was very much like, I'm like, I don't want to date a party girl. And I was like, mm. oh, <laughs> I was like, mm. and then it was so funny because, you know, for a little while I put up a bit of a fight, yeah. like, oh, but I want to go out and do this and blah, blah, blah. And then when I really, really thought about it, I really didn't yeah. because it wasn't, there wasn't authenticity to it because I was drunk. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, I don't know. I think I like Steph just really brought my priorities into clarity for me. Yeah. And, and did she bring a part of you that may have been sort of hidden by other layers brought to the forefront as in that part that does love to be inside and read and like do like, the quieter, nerdier things that you sort of like hide and all that sort of thing to be this like outgoing party human? I don't know. I think like I I, I was never like a crazy party person, like uh, maybe when I was like 19, but like when, when Steph met me, like I was probably, I think I was still doing those like, oh, like truly I love watching movies. That's my favorite thing me in the world. Too. That's my all-time favorite thing. And I definitely had some moments, I think, before being with Stephanie where I felt, is it bad that I really want to watch movies all the time? It's like, so weird that you're saying this, Tash. I've been, this week, just brought to the forefront, someone was like, oh, you're a nerd like me. And I was like, oh, my God, I am. Like I'm obsessed with movies. It's so weird you're saying this. Same. And it's really interesting being over here and, and being married to someone who loves them as much as me, because I thought that if I was allowed to watch movies whenever I wanted it, as much as I wanted, if this is kind of like a food thing too, right? That I would, and you don't, there are nights where we will go, 
what should we watch? What should we watch? And really, we just want to talk to each other and we'll end up having a three hour conversation and not watching anything. But there are, it's, it's, it's funny because we do, I definitely did think that, that there was something wrong with me with how much I wanted to just watch movies but I have learned that if I am allowed to I will stop (laughs) and I will have breaks and I will go and read and do other things because there's always going to be movies yes yeah can I ask because what I hear is like it I've been on my own for three years now but it comes back to me that like rhythm that you get in in a relationship and like the ways that you understand each other and I, I mean, I always think this, I don't know if anyone else listening think wonders this, but for someone who have, because I'm on my own now, I know that there's a lot of things that make a relationship not work. What makes your relationship work? I imagine there's so many different little things. There is there's the a little lot. things. I think that like the one big thing is that our commitment to each other is so strong. We don't have trust issues. We've never had trust issues. We've never given each other a reason to. We were um, exclusive from talking on the phone for three weeks. Like it was just, there was nothing messy that happened that penetrated the relationship. Mm. Um, So that's a really strong foundation. And then basically the the deposits into the relationship from both of us, me leaving Australia, packing up everything, leaving, breaking my lease, selling almost everything I had to come to Canada to meet someone that I'd never met and stay with them for four months plus. It ended up being 10 months. That's a big commitment. That's a big show of like willingness to invest in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then Stephanie when my money inevitably ran out because I was only meant to be there for four months, um, you know, financially supported me. So then that shows me how important I am to Stephanie, as well as obviously all the myriad of romantic things that happen. But if we want to just talk these big things, then, um, you know, Stephanie traveling to Australia and getting married in my country with my family without any of her family that is a massive thing and then of course me moving over here is a huge thing so I think all of those things and then and then it is the small things you know it's Stephanie is an incredibly um what's the word she like she thinks about me they I should say we we are moving into they them pronouns mm. so they think of me like they consider me very very considerate so they are incredibly considerate and then i am very nurturing so i'm always like what do you need how can i feed you how can i make you feel good do you need compliments do you need like what do you need i'm happy to ask that question a lot yeah um and then Stephanie is probably better at anticipating maybe what I might need. Yeah. So it's a really good balance. We um and it, balance. And I think consideration yeah. is something that a lot of people are missing. I know when it's I'm very sexy. Dating, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Very like, sexy. Yes. Yeah. I also think I think the biggest, like I've had so many lessons in this relationship because this is 
my most serious relationship I've ever had. Stephanie has had a long-term serious relationship before me, which I'm so thankful for Mm. um, because it has set them up to be able to sort of lead this in a way because this is, there's a lot of it that's new for me. And I'm really grateful that it's not new for Stephanie because things that might make me feel anxious or uncertain, Stephanie can be like, no, that's not, this is just a long-term relationship. So that's been amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, there is definitely a huge lesson of being in, in a relationship and especially in a marriage of this is a completely different human being to me. And they think in ways that are so different to me and they have completely different familial trauma trauma to me and we are going to react completely differently to things and it is I actually saw a TikTok even though TikTok's the devil and it really <laughs> flipped how I thought because it said um you just in relationships you have to let go of wanting the other person to react in a situation the way you would have reacted isn't that mm-hmm. the hardest lesson? Such a hard lesson. You're so right. How many times has the argument been around, look, I just wouldn't have done that. I would not do right? that. I would n- I would never have reacted like that. I would have yeah. given you this and I would have given you this and you can't. It's like, it's really, really tricky, but you have to, yeah. I oh have my God, that's a great. The amount a of like work that I have done on myself in this relationship is insane (laughs) wild like it's just like oh my gosh I feel there's a part that's inaccessible on your own isn't there you just absolutely it's all reflected back to you with another yes and I think that I I definitely sometimes could be very hyper independent and like I don't need anyone I can just like I'll always be okay I was always like I'll always be okay because I know that I will always be okay even if I'm by myself and then starting to learn about like it's okay human beings are wired for connection it's okay mm-hmm. to want to have someone and want to be with someone it's normal yeah like 100 <laughs> when you because this so this is um stephanie's second long-term series but this is your first mm-hmm. is that because like along the way you were figuring things out or did you intentionally take time on your own what do you think sort of went into it No, I think that I had, um, I think I was incredibly defensive. Mm. I think that I didn't have um, good communication skills Mm. at all. Um, And I think that, I think that sometimes there was a mixture of people projecting who they wanted me to be onto me and me projecting who I wanted people to be onto them as we all do oh my gosh and then you know once you know what someone is wanting from you you can kind of slip into that role a little and maybe it's not as authentic to yourself as you really need to be living Mm -hmm. I think one of like I was thinking about the other day like it's so beautiful to be with someone where I'm because I'm so weird like I'm I'm interested in so many different things across the board like 
one day I'll spend like an hour and a half doing my makeup and then the next night I'll be doing like a full full moon ritual where I'm like can you go upstairs like so I can do this and I'll put my like hippie music on and I'm like burning my sage and I don't feel like oh this doesn't fit into who Stephanie wants me to be yeah 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 it's like and- full range to just be yes and it's a different love, isn't it, when you know they're loving exactly who you are versus what you gave them as a um, as like a mask. Yeah, and I yeah. think because our um, first nine months were purely over the phone, mm. that kind of like emotional connection, I'd never been able to, well, I'd never prioritised that. I always prioritised physical quickly yeah but not emotional I can't even I can't picture it what's it like like the first time someone had said to me I have to say if someone had said to me like oh I'm I'm in a long distance relationship with this person that I I've never met and we talk on the phone and it's been nine months and we're exclusive I would have been like you are bonkers like (laughs) how do you know that there's going to be any kind of chemistry because I would have been so focused on the chemistry like but what about the in-person chemistry like isn't that the most important thing and it's it's simply not like we have great chemistry but it's yeah the the that kind of emotional connection was and I had just been like I am not dating anyone ever again like I was like I'm gonna have two years of like me and I was gonna move to Melbourne I had all these plans and it just flipped it yeah I was sitting with a friend last night and I said god it's this real feeling it's a way you show up in the world when you're comfortable in your queerness um it's a real way that you hold yourself what is what have been some of the biggest like support systems inspiration um expressions of queerness along your way um because you've been doing your thing for a while now right yes I have been out since I was 17 so Mm. a long long time (laughs) I truly think like you know the the friendship group that I was in when I was just out of school 17 like we were queer we were alternative I that's what I was around I was in my echo chamber and so that's why still now when I experience homophobia or transphobia like we just had 48 hours of over the weekend because of something I posted I am shocked I am like who are you people where did you come from like Mm -hmm. so I think it was it was being always ensconced in queer community um and the Adelaide queer scene is very small Mm. and as all queer scenes can be it was very toxic and Mm. so but it it does give you access to people that are like you so then you forge a sense of belonging and community and I do understand why people stay out of it but then I think do you miss out on that I do still like I still see like you I see different things I'm like oh my god homophobes exist like the audacity and then I'm like what rock did you crawl out of and like who didn't love you I just like blows my mind 
I know. And honestly, the funny thing is like you say that about Melbourne and I guess that's why I draw parallels with Melbourne and Toronto. This is the gayest place I have ever been. I'm in like, like, we're not in like, we're not, we don't live in downtown. Like we live like just out of downtown and I will walk down the street and there's like gay flags, like there's gay flags on churches, there's gay flags in every shop window. Like it is so queer friendly. It's a different level to anywhere that I've been in Australia. It's like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I love that. How good is Canada? There's a reason it has the best reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, what I started saying before, I always go off on tangents. I'm just going to finish off my thoughts so I can close that loop is that you do see both sides. It's you get the community, um, but then you get the other side where everyone's human. There might be like everyone's individual trauma around it, mental health, drug use, everything comes into it. And all of a sudden you come to a point of realizing that just because they're queer doesn't mean they're in a good place, that they're necessarily a very good person. Yes, absolutely you know, be a good friend and all those sort of things. There's a, a big learning curve with in yes. that. And I feel like being able to have people who you can, you know, aspire, not aspire to be, be inspired by and look up to and just know that there is a healthy version of what you're seeking mm-hmm. out there is is really lovely. Yeah, I think um my my two closest friends, they were both at my wedding. They're both in long they're both queer they're both long-term relationships one of them just had a baby with her wife like so I'm really lucky to have that around me yes yeah it's really Really. like it's grounding yeah when it comes to so obviously so much has changed for you over the last is it two years almost yes I first came here in 2021 Yeah. yeah so over the last two years how has how has your mental health evolved, your relationship with your body evolved, your, um, your like your self-thoughts and the way that you speak to others? Like how has everything changed along with that? Which I know is a really big question. That's a packed question, but. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> no, I love it. I love big questions. Um, Body-wise. When I got here for the first time, I was not aware of how badly I was restricting. Mm. I just didn't know. I think that I, I think it got especially really bad before I went on maths. Um, I was eating like one meal a day. Um, before I went on that show because I was so terrified of what people would say. And even, like, I can't tell you the amount of times that people would see me after having seen the show and be like, oh, there's my wife. Sorry, she's outside. Um, <laughs> I thought you and- meant that's what the people were saying. Oh, no, <laughs> no, and be like, oh, you're so much smaller than you looked on TV. Then after the show, yeah, I was just, I got to Toronto and I found, like when I first met Stephanie and I found on Facebook some random intuitive eaters group thing and 
it was a free like month thing. So I was like, oh, just like check it out. And I started learning about food rules and like all this stuff that I just had no idea. And then I started following intuitive eating coaches and I was like, oh my God, my food rules are crazy. Like so many of them not eating before a certain time or making sure there was a certain amount of hours before meals, like always choosing the healthiest option, not what I actually really wanted. Um, Like trying not to eat two forms of carbs in one day. Like, so if I had a sandwich and then I'd be like, oh, I can't have rice at night. Like so many of these things that are kind of normalized, like really normalized, I think. Um, I, I definitely felt that if I ate something, I had to uh, burn it off and like vice versa. Like if, if I, yeah, I, I would like train to be able to feel like I deserve to eat. Um, and so I got over here with all this stuff and was just like, oh my God, I have so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And I started to try and implement it. Not like I was, you know, in a completely, this sort of mean when I say I heap things on myself, like not the best time, just not the best time. Like I was just getting to know Stephanie and it's like, you don't want to arrive somewhere and be like, well, by the way, I need you to support me on a massive food thing I've got going on right now. Um, but they were always so supportive and just made me feel like it didn't matter what I was feeling about my body. They were like, I never worry if Stephanie likes how my body looks. I I have my own days where I'm like, I feel like this about my body, but I'm never like, or Stephanie feels like this about my body. Um, Probably the first time ever in a relationship I've felt like that. Um, and I guess that that can be attributed to the amount of reassurance that I get. Mm. Um, but also I, Stephanie like really called me out on it and was like, you've got like, like you've got eating stuff that you probably really need to look at. Um, and I think that over the 10 months that I was first here, like I, my body, like changed and I got really uncomfortable in it and I stopped being vegan and started like looking at what I was restricting because it was ethical or because it was like health related or because it was how I wanted to look like truly I would love to have remained vegan for ethical reasons but Physically, I feel better when I'm not vegan. And naturally, I am drawn to eat meat. Meat. Like, yeah, really, truly. Lesson. I am, I think that, like, that just explains intuitive eating really quickly, doesn't it? That it is what your body is seeking. You give your body what, when you're feeling it, when you're in a place of feeling grounded and connected to your body, um, Mm -hmm. you can tell what it needs. And giving it to you, like, it starts a whole new neural pathway, doesn't it, where you're no longer mm-hmm. thinking about it in this way for aesthetics and all of those mm-hmm. things. 
you're thinking about what fuel does it need right now and how can I give it to it in a way that feels nourishing. And I feel like yes. it's a really good example of that where we crave that iron and protein in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. And when we don't give it to it, we can end up in a place where we, yeah, I would just get to a place sometimes and be like, fuck, I need a steak and just cook up a steak like an animal. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I, I think that, yeah, it, it's been, it's, it's been very, very, very healing to be in this relationship for my body stuff. And I think that I also just started learning, started learning about the fact that your body will fluctuate throughout your life and trying to start accepting that fact and then learning about even the changes that your body goes through during the day and then really trying to unpack fat phobia and change my language around things and it's you know it's so ongoing like I feel like I've done a lot of work but I don't feel like I've like cracked the code or like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm perfect around everything and I'm this perfect intuitive eater I think Mm -hmm. that I see that I still seek out things but they're more so wanting to feel the best that I can feel and be as not inflamed as I can be but I do seek out like ways of eating I really do and I think that that is probably from having be like trying diets lots of different diets through your whole life and it's funny because the advice that you can give to other people like I was saying to my best friend they were being really hard on themselves um you know they're postpartum and they were going, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like this to myself. And I was like, it's, it makes perfect sense that you are like this to yourself. We yes. grew up with the culture we grew up in, like with the magazines and the things said in movies and TV shows. Like, it's like, I was like, hold up, let's just like be kind to ourselves for being a product of what we grew up with. Exactly. And I think that that's such a, um, oh, it's like such a warm feeling to say, actually, there's nothing I could have done here. I absorbed and internalized years of messaging. Mm-hmm. Why would I be confused as to why I'm, um, why I'm scared about putting on weight, why I'm scared about um, things like being alone where we get told that like the ultimate ending is to have a partner where I'm scared about yeah. not making enough money to have the nice things so much messaging is internalized yeah. our whole life and then we get confused as to why we can't beat that voice yes that's exactly it's a, right it's a very real um it's a very real voice I always I have a feeling that my eating voice will be with me for life but it's just a matter of when I hear I was going to say her, but I feel like it's an it. It's like this little gremlin and I feel it's yeah. getting a little goblin. Out. Um, mm-hmm. Then I know that something's going on there. Like there's more stress. Yeah. There's more like. Probably going. not connected to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've really noticed lately that I definitely, I, I think a combination of being here, feeling a little isolated, it being winter, I definitely can sometimes do some comfort eating for sure, mm-hmm. like emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And I really notice it. And, I, and then I have to, then you have to decipher 
do I really just want to eat this because I want to eat a cookie because cookies are great and fun and nice? Or is there something that I'm trying to numb? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or a feeling that I'm seeking. Like I know when I'm craving mm-hmm. like so much flavor, it can be because I haven't given myself like an external experience. I need like a huge hug or like some sunshine yeah. and things like that. But yes. um, food, it can be a really instant thing, especially when we have like the the money support to access it mm-hmm. um yeah completely mm-hmm. it definitely goes both ways doesn't it knowing that it you does crave it because your body needs it or am I yes. something else and food is the exactly yeah exactly I do feel like I think like the biggest win that I have is that the amount of guilt that I feel over eating now compared to two years ago is like 90% reduced. Mm. It is very rare for me to feel guilty after I eat something. Like I might go, I might eat something and go, oh, I probably didn't really want that. And then I just move on, Yeah, you know, yeah. or maybe I might eat too much one time, which again, rarely happens now, but maybe I might eat too much and I'll go, okay, I got excited and I ate too much. I was I was so hungry or it was so delicious. And then I move on. I don't think about it for like the rest of the evening. Yes, which is Punish huge. myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And don't you win back minutes and hours and days like that was spent on feeling like that? Because that's yes, the thing and- that, and I've also worked in like eating disorder units and and just have lived experience, had friends have lived experience, and there's so many different things you pick up along the way. Um, oh, my brain, why is it like this? What was the thing that you just said, Tash? Because I really oh, no, my brain's exactly like your brain. Right? How are we gonna get back there? Um, guilt. I said guilt, not guilt. feeling, and when um, I feel full. Yes, thank you. Is that okay. there is no way for you to live your best life and have your eating disorder exist or have those behaviors um, control your life? Because I feel like that that voice can tell me that I can have both, that I can do do the behaviors, restrict, and all those sort of things, but live my best life. But they don't coexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a nice thought. If I want to live my best life, meet the you have to people have the coolest like. Um, most fulfilling job and all that sort of stuff it's you do need to um yeah have ways of of soothing that versus feeling like it can all just be this big beautiful adventure together it can't Mm, takes up too much time and too much space exactly and you really do glean a lot of your life back when you like I, I another thing some more food rules is like not going to social events because you can't control the food or maybe because you felt that you weren't at the weight you wanted to be at when you wanted to go to work. Um, Like refusing to buy, like go up a size because of like the shame attached to numbers, even though you know logically that brands have completely different sizes in one size, you know. It's crazy the the battle of like logic and then um like that that voice that can go on because even though I've done so much work and got so much information there are definitely times where I, it just goes out the window yeah and I can have a tantrum but I don't fit into shorts or something yeah exactly yeah but there's less and less yes when you um when you talked about future self journaling and when you think about 
because I can just hear so much has changed. When you mm-hmm. think about what's changed and now where you are at the moment, where things are with Stephanie, you're living in this like brand new place. What what's your future self chapter looking like? What can you feel is like on the horizon? What do you what's next for you? So I think it's actually really comes back to we it was such a quick comment at the start of our talk, but I think that you were saying that you feel like you've always needed to make things be profitable. And Mm. I think that I have never really been super serious about my career or getting to a place of really solid financial stability Mm. um, and sort of the focus being on that. And I sort of, I really feel that right now. I feel like I want to really carve out a sense of stability here. And I know that you can only have so much control over life and the universe and there's there's going to be things, you know, a span is thrown in the works. And Stephanie and I have gone through many, many, many roadblocks. So we're not living in a fantasy world where we think there's going to be no objects in our way. But I think that I've also lived in 32 houses and I want a sense of home more than anything in the world. Like my priorities right now are like when my work papers come through, like get a job that I love um, that is going to create financial stability support in my marriage um and so that I can create I'm Cancerian I want to create a nest I want to be in a house and then I've got um my my midheavens in Taurus so I just want beauty around me like Mm. I just want things to look a certain way and I know that this is sort of sounding very materialistic but I think that it doesn't it doesn't it's something that I haven't really yeah and I think that it's a really nice feeling to go I've got a great marriage I've got such a great marriage that I can move my focus onto other areas of my life and see how I can upgrade them and you know it's really important in our relationship that Stephanie feels that as well being a writer they need to be able to really drop into that and so we're lucky that we've got that solid positive foundation because it does allow us time for our own separate selves and so I just really want to carve out an established existence in Toronto where I go I feel a sense of community I feel a sense of familiarity um and just try and enjoy the process of it as well (laughs) not my strongest point at all (laughs) um so yeah did I answer your question you did yeah and it felt it feels really lovely like I can see it's like those smaller things of wanting not actually that's a big thing wanting your community wanting that grounded space that you call your own. But what I heard as well is like you feeling safe enough to reach for those higher things. And it's it, it really is like a really 
high form of self-care to allow yourself to take finances seriously and to say, mm-hmm. okay, it's not because of, I need certain things to like fill a hole in my soul or anything of the sort. It is like mm-hmm. a really cool place in your life to come to, to go, I'm going to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this and I have yes. like, skills and interests and all of those things that I want to fulfill. Um, yes. With, that's a that's a really cool place to come from and the other thing because I think we're we're like we've done it in a different order where mm-hmm. um you know you're coming to this that place now and but what I love is and I would like to experience it is where you are now approaching it from the stripped back place whether mm-hmm. as I came at it from you go to school you get your grades you go to uni you get the job you and then I started the business and did all of the things so it's all been this very steep like incline Mm -hmm. um and of course there's so much messaging within that that's made me feel like that needs to be at that pace or um, that sort of level of productivity I think it's really beautiful that you're going to come at it from a place of feeling like you've got your blank canvas and like what do I want to do with it Yes, I really rejected that um, trajectory of life Mm. really strongly. And, you know, there are times when I'm like, was I just rebelling against my parents? But (laughs) I think I don't regret it because I do think that I, I really just like, I have had like a fun life up until now. And now I've really found someone that I want to be serious with. It's like really worth being serious about because they're also willing to be so serious about me. Yeah. Um and it just feels yeah, it feels very different. I just feel I feel a lot of clarity that I didn't feel for a long time. And I think when we were in Australia, I was um working a lot and trying to save so that I could support myself when I came back here and um so there goes my brain um (laughs) you're now now not in that place where you're like doing the working and things or so I was like when I was working so much I was doing hospo and then I was um working for a brand doing talent management and then I was doing a lot of content creating at that time and I was like, I can't wait to get back to Toronto because I know that I've got like clarity coming for me. Yeah. And I did. And I got back here and felt a lot of clarity. I, um, I actually, I stalked, there's this life coaching course called Beautiful You. Mm. And I stalked them for like a year, like stalk, 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 went to their website, looked at it, like was doing that. And I wasn't even conscious that I was stalking them. I was just like, oh, here I am again on this website. And I saw that they had um, scholarships for marginalised people. Mm. And so when I got back over here, I got an email saying the scholarship opened up and I applied and I got it. So I'm studying that this year, which is really exciting. Oh, my exciting. gosh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I love, I love, like, I love hearing what people are struggling with and just yeah. trying to help them make sense of it. So hopefully. Yeah. Um. So and many I have of my friends who've done that course. They really liked it. Oh, good. Yeah. Amazing. I have so much fear over sucking at it. Like yeah. so much. The imposter syndrome is 
wild it is you won't let me tell you you won't the way that (laughs) you like you observe small like I can already hear you observe small details which is going to be huge because we do live in a really fast-paced world where a lot is missed if you're picking up on like Mm -hmm. the subtleties of like what's going on within someone's like nervous system or energetic field you're going to be fine thanks I hope so I would love I would love that job (laughs) (laughs) your um your next chapter sounds lovely I hope so I'm 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 pretty sure it will be Mm. I feel like I feel like an abundance of hope Mm. yeah I can feel that I love that feeling losing it's really scary yeah I know quite a few people in my life have have lost it and found it again and yeah, it's a lovely, it's a relief to remember what it's like to know, to uh-huh. know that you're like so capable and that great things are coming and some of the best days of your life you haven't lived yet. It's a really yeah, good it's nice. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? I just want to thank you for such a great chat. I didn't have to look at my questions. I have like 10 big questions written down here. Talking with you just flowed. Thank you so much for coming on. I had so much fun. I'm glad. I'm glad like I really love talking time. about like the the big things, but in just a really um humane mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I think we all I know more of those conversations. Same. I know we didn't need those 15 minutes. No, we didn't. We <laughs> Fuck didn't. the 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was Thank the best. So I loved much. it. I loved it. And I would wouldn't have changed any of it. I did want to talk about um the L word next jam with you, but I actually love that we really just didn't have space for surface level crap. 100%, which is the name mm-hmm. of the podcast. So you've nailed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not surface level crap, but surface level. <laughs> Imagine. No, we, we went so deep. It was good. Thank you yeah. so much. I really Thank appreciate you so it. Thank so much. And everyone, I hope you have um, enjoyed listening to it and um, let us know if you have any questions. If you want to know more about Tasha's um, journey, do you want to let them know where they could find you online? Uh, yes. If you just look up Tasha's, it's just T-A-S-H-H-E-R-Z. Yes, that was my real last name. Everyone's <laughs> like, is that your real name? I'm like, yes, I know it sounds like porn story, but it was my real name. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then that's really it. Like, I mean, you yeah. can go to my TikTok if you want, but it's kind of ridiculous. So just stay <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> yeah and the other thing is is they will eventually be able to like see different bits and pieces of the um Mm -hmm. services you'll eventually offer too which is Mm -hmm. yes absolutely all right thank you so much tash thank you so much have a good night okay Bye. bye